Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The Human Zoo, where they don't hide away the sick animals. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. On Talk Radio. This is the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. We're live on College Green down in Westminster. It's a pretty grim day. The sun is occasionally appearing between the clouds. But it's very windy. There's hurricane conditions down here. Uh, I'm joined now by Joe Twyman, co-founder and director of Delta Pole. Joe, a little bit chilly sitting there, but welcome uh, uh, to the tent of Talk Radio. And uh, it's better to be inside it, is all I can tell you, than to be outside it. Uh, not always true of the Tory party. But let me just give you the number, because before we talk to Joe, uh, I want to hear from some of you out there as well. 0344-499-1000. Andy says, if there were more people proposing a Brexit deal like Marcus Fish, it would have been a lot smoother, I'm sure. Instead, we've got idiots like Boris Johnson spouting nonsense, and Tories just trying to stab the Prime Minister in the back for their own gain. It's not like them, is it? And Felix says he was impressed by listening to Marcus Fish as well. He was calm and persuasive. Joe, um, you're a man that, that tr- attracts popularity and, and unpopularity, if you like, in your, uh, in your business of polling. Um, Marcus Fish said that they've got a plan that, uh, that I'd never heard before. Um, I don't know where he's been hiding the plan that he said he had, but have you ever heard of Marcus Fisher's plan from the ERG? Uh, no, I haven't. Uh, uh, there's been various rumours of, uh, of suggestions of plans, and people say they have plans only for them to, uh, yeah. for, to, to disappear. The difficulty that any politician on any side of the argument has is that although we are set to leave in March next year, actually the Cabinet Office are already having extensive brief- briefings with, uh, with big companies yeah. and across different industries saying if it's not sorted out by the end of this year, right. they have to go into, uh, uh, into no-deal mode right. because there will be no bandwidth to deal with anything else. Well, that's the thing. I mean, Marcus Fish, uh, and he was a very good guest and I was very happy to have him, uh, when he was talking about how we've got plenty of time for this. I mean, you'd be lucky to buy a house right now and move into it by March the 29th. The idea that we're suddenly going to have loads of time to completely tear up the Brexit agreement uh, that Theresa May has got in her hand and start with a new one in order to change it by March 29th is nonsense, isn't it? Uh, While that's true, it's also true that it's in nobody's interest for this to look easy. Yeah. Everyone wants to be seen to working as to be working as hard as possible, whether it's the people in Europe or the people in Westminster. Everyone wants to uh, wants the public to know that they have made every possible effort and they have taken it right up to the wire. If they'd said a year ago, "Oh, actually, we've sorted it all out. It's all it's all fine." Yeah. Then somebody would have turned around and said, "Oh, well, this isn't uh, this isn't the best deal." Which well, we was could kind get. of the default position until suddenly they sprung on us the idea that this deal was now done suddenly. Yes. Yeah. That, that's uh, that's right. Uh, I was expecting it to go even even later but of course it may still do that think of 
Uh, think back to 2008 and the U.S. stimulus package uh, that came about after the after the financial crisis. There, uh, there was uh, there was a huge uh, commotion uh, getting that through uh, through their uh, mm. through their parliament, yeah. and indeed it failed a couple of times. The markets then crashed. There was all sorts of troubles with currency and the Dow Jones. And then everyone came on board with the president. It wouldn't surprise me if a similar sort of thing happened here over the next couple of weeks. Perhaps the first, even the second vote on, uh, on the deal fails in Parliament, but then some sort of concessions, yeah. however you want to characterise those, go through, and after a bit of market turmoil, everyone reluctantly agrees. Yeah, I mean, that's always been my view kind of overall. But, I mean, I've been sort of jumping about, like most people have, over the course of the last sort of year and a half from first of all saying well surely they don't want us to leave any more than uh, than we do want to leave so we should be able to work something out too you know after the Salzburg business well they've been treating Theresa May terribly maybe we should just leave without a deal to suddenly thinking actually it's never going to happen now we're never going to get a deal you know I'm, I'm, I mean I consider myself to be reasonably well informed about Brexit but I'm quite confused now as to what on earth is going on oh well you have 585 pages of deal to read to clear everything I'm up. like Jeremy Corbyn I'm not reading all of it I'm afraid no no me, me neither. I, yeah. I, I actually don't. Th- I mean, and this, this is true for most of the general public yeah. out there. Uh, we, you and I, have not read the deal. I doubt most people here on College Green have right. read it. And we are not unusual in that respect. Instead, we are taking our cues from the leaders, from mm. the parties, and from the people that we hear on uh, on TV and radio. Sure. And what's your polling uh, telling you? What's your data telling you? Because we were hearing from Ross Kempsell earlier that the Tories are dropping like a stone uh, in the sort of public opinion polls at the moment. Uh, well, yeah, there are two ways of looking at this. Firstly, if you take a step back and you say, OK, the principle of Britain leaving the EU, you find consistently that between six and seven out of ten people believe that we should leave, either because they support it in the first instance or because they think that democracy and the result of the referendum should be upheld. So in principle, you've got a large proportion of people believing that we should leave. But when it comes to the specifics of this deal, and it's worth pointing out that, of course, most people, as we say, aren't paying attention to the actual specifics. But when you ask people about this deal, fewer than one in five actually thinks it's a good idea and supports it. And so this is a real problem for Theresa May because she has a huge number of people who think it goes too far and a huge number of people that think it doesn't go far enough. And she is stuck in the middle, really managing to... uh, uh, succeed with very few people. Indeed. Well, what we heard when the, the deal was first announced was that because it upsets both sides, it must be somewhere in the right sort of area because you can't possibly please one side and then upset the other side. You have to be even-handed. So by upsetting both, is that the right way to go? Well, it's a good start from her point of view, I would imagine. I mean, it may, of course, be that she expected everyone to like it, but I think that's un- unlikely. I think the more likely option is that she views this as a good start and a position from which to bring people around because she has to convince members of her cabinet, members of her party, members of parliament, and most importantly, the British people, that this is a good deal. And that process started last week, and it continues. It continued with the Sunday shows yesterday, and it continues now for her to convince people that she is the best person to deliver this and that this is the best deal for Britain. She has a long way to go and a short time to achieve it, but things can move very, very quickly. And And in the absence of anyone else, she may be seen as the least worst option. And in terms of the way the public opinion is kind of formed, if you like... Has it been affected to a large extent by 
the attitude, the negative attitude around all of this Brexit business. That you now there's always been somebody unhappy with either the result of the referendum, the fact the referendum was even held. You know, now what has come out of 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 a, of a sort of breakup agreement that Theresa May has, has emerged from Brussels with. You know, there's so much negative speaking going on that that must affect public opinion, mustn't it? Yeah, inevitably, uh, you have a group of people who've been upset since the result uh, since the result came out, and they have had the uh, the lion's share of the coverage. Most of the protests have been about a second referendum and staying in the EU. We haven't seen so much support since the referendum result for leaving, at least among among the sort of the things that happen out there. Uh, but as time has uh, as time has moved on, we've seen a lot of people disappointed on both sides because on the Leave side, a lot of people thought, well, I want my kind of Brexit. I want Brexit to feel real yeah. for me. Right. And it's inevitable with so many di- with that coming so many different views that a lot of people are going to be disappointed. Well, that's the problem. I don't think there are two people in the country that would have the same view of what Brexit should be. So it's an incredibly difficult thing to achieve, isn't it? From a public opinion point of view, it is a tightrope for Theresa May yeah. to walk. It, she cannot please all of the people all of the time. The problem she has at the moment is she doesn't appear to be able to please any of the people <laughs> any of the time. <laughs> and she's running out of cabinet ministers as well. I mean, we've got a new Brexit secretary that nobody's ever heard of. Uh, but she already announced at the weekend that she's going to be doing more negotiating on her own heading the negotiating team so exactly what this new guy is going to do as anybody's guess that's right we have a new former uh, future former brexit secretary in place now <laughs> yes. and uh, and for how long he lasts remains to be uh, remains to be seen and also his role appears to be very different from that of dominic Raab and david davis before him but uh, with time running out it's perhaps inevitable that Theresa may says right now this is down on me it's down to me i'm the only person that can do it is it possible to, uh, to to predict who is likely to emerge as the next leader of the Tory party if, in fact, she does get dislodged? Is it too early to poll on that kind of thing? Well, you can poll on it, but the results have very little predictive power. At the moment, the candidates divide into two groups, those that the people don't like and those that the people don't know. Right. And so it's not a it's not a great situation to, uh, to be in. Boris Johnson appears to be the least worst of those candidates, right. but one thing we know about Tory uh, leadership contests is the favourite very rarely wins. Yes. I imagine that the next leader may come out of left field, someone perhaps very few of us have heard of, who is not as tainted by the whole Brexit uh, Brexit experience and, and comes across as a unity candidate to take the party forward past Brexit rather than dealing with Brexit itself. Yeah, I mean, that is the problem for the Tories, isn't it? Uh, finding somebody that you like, uh, that you think would want to actually take the country through Brexit, because even if they have somebody that takes them through Brexit, that might be the last thing they ever do, and they get through Brexit. Brexit, and then there's general election, which they then lose. Yeah, perhaps a caretaker, a caretaker manager yeah. in, in football parlance would be the would be the best option. In which case, perhaps someone who voted for Brexit would be the obvious choice. But who is that? It gets very, very complicated very, very quickly. And it may be better for the party in terms of long-term electoral performance to stick with Theresa May, get her to absorb all the slings and arrows, and then move on to someone who is. Clean. In yes. Now you talk to a lot of people in Westminster throughout the course of your uh, your work collecting data and stuff like that. What's your sense of what's going to happen in the next couple of days or, or even this whole week? It's it's so difficult to say, but my my sense is that the most likely option. That doesn't mean it will definitely happen, but I think the most likely option is that Theresa May will scrape through and that uh, the deal will be supported by Parliament with one or two small amendments, but perhaps not on the first vote. Okay, Joe, thanks very much indeed. Joe Twyman there, co-founder and director uh, of Delta Poll. Ready to pop the question? 
The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Help, I need somebody. Help, not just anybody. Help, you know I need someone. Help. This is the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. We're live from College Green down at Westminster where occasionally uh, the rain gets so torrential that you actually think the world might be coming to an end. If you're Theresa May, uh, you're still speaking to the CBI. She's trying to convince them the world is not coming to an end. She's trying to convince them that actually everything's fine, everything's dandy, and don't worry at all about what's going to happen on March the 29th because her plan is the only plan and the best plan for us to go forward. I'm not so sure about that. Uh, we'll be talking some more about it. Anne-Marie Trevelyan is going to be joining us. She resigned from the government uh, only last week. And, of course, uh, she's going to hope that the number reaches 48 so that there can be a vote of no confidence in the Prime Minister, even though at the moment it doesn't look as if they've got that kind of level of support. Also coming up, we're going to speak to Hannah Hope, the Sun showbiz correspondent, live in Australia, because I'm a celebrity get-me-out-of-here started, of course, last night. So far, no politicians are in there, but you never know. Some of them might decide to leave these parts and go somewhere slightly warmer. It is also International Men's Day today, uh, and we're going to start taking some calls on that, 0344-499-1000. Let's talk to Ryan, uh, who's in the New Forest. Hello, Ryan. Good morning. How are you doing? Yeah, very well indeed. It's a bit bit rainy and wet here, to be honest, and we're in a tent, which is not very well protected. So apart from that, it's great. No, that's all right. It's quite nice here. I'm at Andover today. It's all right. Oh, very nice. Very nice. How are you celebrating International Men's Day, Ryan? Well, I thought when I went on Facebook, I remember at some point last year, when it was International Women's Day, there was a nice little thing popped up that said celebrate International Women's Day. So I thought, oh, I heard it today. I thought I'd better check. When it started on Facebook, <laughs> nothing for International Men's Day. Nothing at I all. Thought, oh, no, not one thing. No, not well, a maybe, maybe you, you should make. Maybe there? you should. Well, maybe you should make your own uh, and share it. Maybe. Oh, oh yeah, no, I'm not doing that. Let's face it. God, I can hardly switch the thing on. I'm a. Uh, I'm an old school person when it comes to the technology. I basically just bear do with, uh, can only do with Facebook because I used to be on it when I used to look for women before I had a missus. So, um, <laughs> have I mean, you given up looking for women now? Then 
Hey, well, yeah, I think she inadvertently makes me every day by her accent. No, I'm only joking. Of course I have. Oh, right. I've got two kids. Oh, okay. and I'm absolutely happy. Well, do you know that. what? I'm no. looking on. I'm, I'm also looking on Google because they'll often celebrate things like International Women's Day with a little bit of a graphic, but they've got nothing on there either. No, exactly. I mean, I was just, and I've, I'm now starting to think that the conspiracy is that Brexit was only formulated so that when this day come along, that we all talk about Theresa May and not men. That's what I'm thinking. I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's, I don't know. It all seems a bit much. I, I um, uh, well, I don't know. It, it, it's not not to be celebrated to be a man, is it anymore? It really, in the extreme sense, as it used to be. So you're still, not allowed to celebrate it, no, because of course, if you celebrate that, it makes you a misogynist, Ryan. <laughs> Of course, of course. Well, you know, just by the very existence. I mean, it seems also like, you know, the, the, the sort of, I don't know, the, the pro-major extreme feminist lobby, because we all know that feminism is the correct, you know, way to live. It should be, you know, the inclusion of women and everything. Well, we should it's all be feminists. There's nothing wrong with being a feminist, I don't think, Ryan. And I think men can be feminists as well. And we should all believe in equality. And that's all fine. But certainly the idea that uh, there is equality now, I think, is a nonsense. Well, that's it. I mean, it's, it's sort of men are sort of uh, portrayed now as the after effects of the whole of history up till 1960, which might as well be known as the Holocaust. I mean, it is literally just uh, <laughs> silly. I mean, um, yeah, I, well, I, it is I, very I, silly. That's a very silly name for it as well, by the way. Oh yeah, I know. Well, yeah, of course, yeah, of course it is. It's extreme. But I'll let you off. I'll let you off with it as long as you don't repeat it. <laughs> oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> I thought it was quite amusing. <laughs> yeah, I, I was. Uh, well, yeah, well I, it's I, not. Okay. Well, men need to. Um, uh, you know, uh, men did need to change once upon a time. I went to see my dad on Friday. I haven't seen him in 20 years. Now, he's a 1970s right. bloke. He's stuck in the 70s. He uh, made jokes to his new wife about how uh, she could make a bacon sandwich for him and he wouldn't. And, you know, oh, I don't change the, change the bins and how stuff like that. How come you haven't seen him for 20 years? Because that's the sort of bloke he is. <laughs> OK. <laughs> because he's, right. uh, he's, he's stuck in the pub. Now the pubs are shut. He's got nothing to do, so he phoned me up. Um, you know, okay. and it's... Uh, well, yeah, that's nice, basically... you see. Well, so feminism has brought you and your father together. There you go. No, <laughs> well, yeah, no, but I would say look, men like that needed to go. I thought we did quite well a few years ago at getting uh, on, a, on a decent route towards somewhere else. But then I suppose it, it, to not, to not um, celebrate men full stop altogether, is that not missing a trick for this whole equality push? Or is it, do you think... Well, I suppose something? so. I'm, I mean, I'm not really in favour of days for anything, to be honest. I mean, you can have a pancake day, you can have an international men's day, you can have an international gherkin day. I mean, what's the point, to be honest? Most of it is all a marketing ploy for you to spend money on something. I mean, apparently it's Black Friday begins today. Guess what? It's only Monday. Well, I know, but Black, Black Friday, I mean, I think in a few years' time, it would have got so far, it won't be a, it won't be a week, it won't be a day. It'd probably be, we're referring to it as Black Just History be all month. year. Yeah. <laughs> Just be all year. Well, this is about shopping, I have to tell you, Ryan. Anyway, listen, thanks for calling in, uh, and enjoy the rest of your uh, International Men's Day, and I hope you do something sensible with it, uh, and not just go to the pub with your dad. Uh, we've got lots more to do, of course, 0344-499-1000. Some of you eagle-eyed television viewers may have noticed that last night I'm a celebrity get-me-out-of-here started. You will have noticed, of course, that Anton Deck did not begin uh, to host it. It was, was instead uh, Deck and Holly Willoughby, and by all accounts, it all went rather well. Let's go down to Hannah Hope now, the Sun Showbiz correspondent, uh, live in Australia. Hannah, a very good morning to you, or a good evening, as I would normally say to you. Good morning and good evening. <laughs> now, listen, I think everybody has, but with, without a shadow of a doubt, given a thumbs up and 10 out of 10 to Holly Willoughby, haven't they? Well, yeah, everyone was holding their breath to see how Holly would do beside Deck in Ant's absence. Uh, but I think she did really well. 
Deb did most of the heavy lifting when it came to the jokes, uh, but she was funny, she was light, she was fluffy. Um, and, they, yeah, they had... I thought they were almost flirty, actually, in their banter. Um, but it was they really were. easy to watch. They were quite flirty, weren't they? Well, um, but it was easy, easy to watch, and I felt kind of safe in their hands. You never want to feel on edge with presenters, do you? You just want to feel relaxed and so you can actually enjoy what's going on. No, and in fact, it was a bit of a masterstroke, really, wasn't it, from the producer's point of view, to bring her in, because they, we all know they share an agent, we all know they share an awful lot in common in terms of she's done stuff with Ant and Deck before. She's very kind of, I don't know, I don't want to use the word easygoing in the wrong way, but she's she's very easygoing in the sense that she's not trying to hog the limelight. You know, he was making quite a few risque little jokes, she was giggling away. You know, it was, it was as you say, it was all very comfortable and familiar, wasn't it? They've been friends for decades, yes. Yeah. So they, they are mates outside of work. They party together. They live in the same part of London. So I guess they, that uh, kind of relaxed vibe came across on screen. Um, and it was quite funny. You're right. Dex did seem to be enjoying taking the limelight. Like, he was being quite cheeky, almost childlike. Yeah. So maybe, uh, maybe Ant is the one who keeps him in check. Um, so I think that she's going to have to kind of make sure he doesn't get too kind of wayward. But, yeah, it was, it was quite nice to see. It was nice to see. I suppose um, let's talk about a few of the highlights, um, if, if, if that's the right word. Anne Hegarty was in tears uh, during the start of the show, saying that she might quit uh, just after entering the camp. What was all that about? Uh, Anne Hegarty, one of the chasers, um, she was found it all a little bit overwhelming in the first day. Uh, she does suffer from Asperger's, uh, and I think for um, someone with that... Uh, condition it can be quite difficult being put into quite uh, intense social situations but she dealt with it really well all of her uh, teammates rallied around her hugged her make sure she was all right and she, by the end of it she was like oh I, I'm glad I'm in this team now I feel happy that I'm here uh, it was quite funny with Harry Redknapp of course um, he, he didn't realize he's never watched the show before and he didn't realize that uh, when the cameras got rolling that was it You'd, uh, you still don't get anything to eat he was expecting bacon sarnie and a cheese roll he was saying to be handed out around the back with some coffees out of a food van um so that was quite hilarious to see i don't think he really realized just how much he'd been uh, roughing it um so yeah so i think well this is the weird thing that, isn't it because sorry go on no no, no carry on <laughs> No, I was going to say, that's the strange thing. I mean, you get Anne Hegarty not realising that she might not react well to sort of some social situations going into a reality TV show. Then you get Harry Redknapp, who's apparently never, ever seen the show, uh, going in and thinking that it wouldn't be anything like it was. I mean, you know, don't these people get properly prepped? Yeah, you do wonder, and you sort of think, it's not that hard to do a little bit of research. You only need half an hour and an internet connection to YouTube just to see what it's like. Um, but, but, yeah, I mean, Harry especially just didn't... He looked a bit bemused the whole way through. Um, one of my right. colleagues was saying that that's just his normal resting face. He always looks a little bit bemused. Um, <laughs> I'm not a huge football fan, so I don't really know what his normal face is. But, yeah, he just looks a bit like, what am I doing here? Um, and, then, and then towards the well, end... his normal face is like, also... There were also there were a few memes going around yesterday because his normal face is peering out of a, a car window on transfer deadline day, talking to somebody out of the uh, out of the car. So people were putting him inside a car in the jungle, which was quite funny. <laughs> and as well, whenever um, Holly and Deck were asking him questions about a trial or what was happening, he was reeling off uh, his response as if it was a match report. It's like Harry, you just need to be yourself, just be conversational. He was just talking right. as if he was like you know on Sky Sports or something. Um, 
But I think he, he's, a, he's a bit of a master talker. He does tell a good yarn. So I think he'll, there'll be some really good sound bites from him. And he's actually very watchable. Like, love him or hate him, he's got a great personality. Um, and I think mm. him and Nick Knowles will be a good double act. They seem to be getting on famously at the moment. But as we know, with these kind of egos and big personalities, they can end up rubbing each other up the wrong way. John Barrowman is sure. louder than, and larger than life. Um, he's very entertaining, but I can see him getting a little bit annoying after a few days. <laughs> <laughs> well, I find them all very annoying after no days at all, actually, to be honest. But aside from Holly and, and Deck, was there any other signs of sort of visible flirtation going on? We didn't really get much flirtation because the campmates are split into two groups almost straight away uh, and two camps. We've got a luxury camp and uh, a really basic camp. But I think as they start to merge, uh, the singletons will get to meet each other. Uh, Emily Atak, the in-betweeners actress, has, um, has shown herself to be quite the screamer. Her job was to jump out of a plane, but she really was screaming for her life, blood-curdling screams. It's quite uncomfortable to listen to. Uh, and the audience obviously picked up on that because they've now voted her in to do the first Bush Chucker trial, which will see her um, go into a python cave and have to Yikes. grab stars from loads of snakes. So I'm sure we'll be hearing more of Emily's screams uh, into tonight's show. Oh, great. So, I mean, we've also heard of some of the uh, the more vegan uh, sort of uh, style guests saying that they're not sure they're going to be able to do some of the Bush Tucker trials. That's another one for uh, for the show prep people, isn't it? Well, yeah, we've got Fleur East, who's a vegan. Uh, the vamp star, James McVeigh, he's a vegan. Uh, Nick Nels, uh, who has written a vegan cookbook, is a sometime vegan. He calls himself a flexitarian. I don't know what that is. That sounds like a, a completely different talking point altogether. Um, but they have all said that they're going to do the Bush Tucker trials. So it seems that at the moment they are all up to the eating challenges. Um, so that obviously doesn't work with their vegan lifestyle, uh, chomping down on um, animal balls and all the rest of it, all the different yeah. things they have to eat and insects and things. But it looks like they're going to do it for the sake of the camp, uh, which is great because it's more entertaining for us at home. Well, it is indeed. So, I mean, have you picked out sort of any likely winners yet or is it too early to say? It's quite early to say, um, but in the last few years, we have seen the younger contestants winning the show. Uh, we've had three women winning over the last three years, Scarlett Moffat, Toff from Made in Chelsea last year, and Vicky Patterson. Yes. Uh, so it would be nice to see a boy win uh, or a man win, uh, especially as it's International Men's Day today. I've never heard of that one before. Um, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I, I think that... James I think down in Australia, they... Op- they, they, they I think... I was going to say, I think they celebrate that in Australia every day, International Men's Day. But, but do you think it's more to do now with, this, with, with, with your profile on social media as well? The, 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 the more well-known the contestants are on social media, the more votes they get. Yeah, definitely. I mean, ITV has been quite clever over the last few years in bringing in some of like the younger reality stars who maybe we we are we haven't really heard of, um, you know, the older viewers. But actually, James McVeigh, ugh, James McVeigh from The Vamps, has got over a million followers on social media, um, so he has got a huge fan base. So even some of his fans who don't even watch the show will probably vote for him because they want him to do well. So he could be an early winner. Uh, Emily Atak as well. She comes across as very likable. Uh, she's very disarming and shows her personality so she's coming across as an early favourite too 
Okay, brilliant. Hannah, thank you very much indeed. We'll speak to you, I'm sure, later on in the week. Hannah Hope there, the Sun Showbiz reporter, uh, live in Australia uh, with the cast of I'm a Celebrity. Get me out of here. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Republic of Mike Graham, you know what to do, 03444991000. We're coming live to you from College Green down in Westminster, uh, where there's a bit of a febrile atmosphere, albeit uh, very quiet on the surface. Nobody's quite sure precisely what's going to happen next. Uh, the Daily Mirror today has got a story saying, civil unrest on the streets, a shortage of medicine, fuel and food, and our ports and airports at a standstill. It sounds like a Project Fear description of a post-Brexit nightmare scenario. Well, that's because that's exactly what it is. It is a Project Fear description of a post-Brexit nightmare scenario. And in fact, I'm going to rip the paper up, but you can't actually hear me ripping the paper up. Uh, I used to work for the Daily Mirror when it was a good paper. What a load of rubbish. Uh, we're now joined by Anne-Marie Trevelyan. Anne-Marie, very good morning to you. Thanks very much. Thank nice you to be very here. much for joining us. It's not very nice out there, is it? It's well, bit, it's uh, chilly. It's a chilly November day. A bit but, chilly, you know. a bit windy, a bit unpredictable, the weather. What's happening over the road? What's going on? What can you tell us? Well, the Prime Minister's just been making a speech at the CBI where yes. she's reiterated again that the withdrawal agreement, the divorce part of all this process, apparently is signed and sealed and shut down. Uh, which for me, you know, just sadly reiterates why I felt I had to resign last week because the 175 pages of that, that this Northern Ireland Protocol, mm. as far as I'm concerned, are just absolutely wrong and we shouldn't be signing up to that. There are sort of mixed signals as well coming out, aren't they? Because I'm seeing uh, that some government sources are now briefing that in fact the, re, uh, the withdrawal agreement is not absolutely and utterly set in stone. Uh, there might be some little changes that can be made to it. While at the same time, she's up there talking to the CBI and saying, this is the best deal we're going to get. This is the deal that we want to have. This is going to be great for us on terms of the borders, in terms of immigration. It's going to be great on trade. We might have a future conversation about uh, our future relationship. It's all a bit woolly, isn't it? Well, there seems to be slightly, you know, differing messages. I, well, take, I take the words from the Prime Minister's mouth and mm. she said it's, you know, it's done. The withdrawal agreement is what it is and I'm going to sign that on Sunday. Yes. So that for me is, is very clear and, you know, a Prime Minister should, should leave from the front and that's mm. what she's doing. I just fundamentally disagree yes. with those terms and I can't support them. Now, uh, apparently there are also sort of two or three issues at stake here, aren't there? Because we're waiting to find out whether 48 members uh, of the Tory party uh, mm. in Parliament will actually trigger the no-confidence vote. We don't yet know whether that number is going to be reached. What's your feeling on that? Uh, I don't know. It's it's been a really interesting weekend actually, because I think you know, I mean, obviously a number of us resigned from government last week. Mm-hmm. You know, making it clear that we felt that the policy wasn't one we could support. I think that you know, it's, I mean, I've been here three years. You know, but I've watched from the outside right. previous uh, leadership uh, changes, and I think for me it should be a personal and non-discussed thing. You know, it's a matter of conscience. It's a matter of it's a really big call to say you can't you know put your support in your leader anymore. Uh, and I'm not a great fan of having it, you know, discussed in public, but I think everybody uh, needs to be thinking about it. I've had a lot of phone calls from colleagues over the weekend just really trying to get their heads around both, you know, the deal. It's 585 pages. There's a lot to read. And what that means, you know, if, if you are standing up for the 17.4 million majority who voted for us to leave... Uh, does that mean you can support it or not? And if it doesn't, will the Prime Minister listen? 
And does it mean if they do get to the number, the, the 48 number, and I appreciate what it sounds to me like is it's a very much an individual process. Well, it's, not, it is, yeah. it's not something which is being orchestrated. It's not people ringing no. other people up saying, have you put your letter in and why haven't you put your letter in? Um, no, we're there's also... no, there's none of that. I think, you know, we're, we're all very respectful of each other's individuals. The Conservative Party is, as they always say, a broad church. Uh, yeah. I love that expression. Uh, but actually... Maybe too broad. <laughs> Maybe it needs to be well... broken up into three different parties. No, we've tried that. It doesn't work so well for us electorally. We no. prefer all standing together, which is what... You know, we've done and actually standing up for what is an unusual thing in a referendum, which is a decision given to us. It's an order given to us by the British people and that we must meet. Well, of course, there are some who say that it's not a binding uh, referendum, aren't there? Who well, want well, to have well, a second referendum, which would also presumably not well, be binding. We've, we've had two. We yeah. had the referendum and then we had a general election, which took us all a bit by surprise. Mm. Um, but that was also clear. Especially the DUP took it by a great surprise. Yeah, well, you know, Scotland, fantastic result for the Conservative Party there. So it, was, it wasn't all bad. Mm. But the reality was that that was effectively a second referendum, both the Labour Party manifesto and the Tory Party manifesto had almost word for word clarity on what it was that, you know, delivering that referendum would mean. And most people voted for one or the other. Therefore, I think the British people were clear that that was what, that's something they were supporting. Indeed. But then, once again, if, if we do get the 48 magic number um, and there is a vote of no confidence, mm-hmm. now t- one of two things can happen. Theresa May could survive that. A lot of people think she will. She but there may be not enough uh, Tory MPs that would back actually getting rid of her. Mm-hmm. If she does survive, she then moves on to the next stage, which is where she gets beaten and battered around trying to get the bill through, mm-hmm. the Brexit bill through, uh, because it doesn't appear to be enough support in the Houses of Parliament for that. What's your view of that? Well, I think at the moment uh, it looks like she couldn't get this withdrawal agreement through, Mm. uh, which honestly suits me because I don't think it's acceptable, uh, in which case we would would then, you know, kick into the clean global Brexit uh, alternative moving forwards. And I think, you know, the reality was that large parts of the withdrawal agreement on lots of other aspects would be agreed to and the EU would come back and say, well, why don't we at least sign those off? Otherwise, everyone's doing an awful lot of emergency legislation across 28 countries. So, but the reality is that, you know, there won't be the support from the Conservatives to put it through. Uh, you know, the whips are busy being whips, and I'm sure there'll be efforts to persuade but some Labour not, MPs. But there's no DUP, there's no SNP, no. there's no... I mean, I think they're very clear that, you know, mm. just supporting the government's not an option. So no. we'll see, but, you know, we're, we're hearing that it'll be somewhere in early December, so no doubt the whips will be very busy between sure. now and then. But, but the reality what, but is, you what know, is, it's but just But what is the alternative, then? Because then you've got less than three months, really, to work out what to do next. And if no deal is the answer... Um, you might as well push for that now, mightn't you? Well, I mean, you know, if, if it's this withdrawal agreement as, as presented now, or no deal, which I consider to be a clean, you know, WTO terms, global Brexit, I'm, you know, that would be my choice. And that is the default choice. Uh, because, the, you know, the government is now ready to implement. They know what needs to be done. And it's a matter of cracking on. Philip Hammond releasing the three billion he's put into the reserves to use to do that. And both, you know, supporting business and getting uh, the government various constituent parts up and running. It'll be a lot of legislation to put through. We'd all be very busy, but uh, maybe our electors will be pleased to see us working hard. Yeah, maybe you should work <laughs> over Christmas, perhaps. But I mean, maybe. the CBI have been saying before Theresa May speaks this morning um, that, you know, the rebels in the Tory party are causing financial unease and financial distress to the companies of this country because we don't still really know what it all means. We don't know what we're going to emerge with on March the 29th. We don't know what March the 30th is going to look like. We don't really know uh, what the next sort of six months is going to look like, do we? It all sounds a bit like the Millennium Bug kind of panic attack, doesn't it? On the 29th, uh, 11.59, mm. we're going to leave. Yeah. Leaving means some very clear things. But businesses I talk to have prepared where they need to on the whole. The things they can't prepare for if they're moving goods around, um, you know, we will need to, you know, set those various 
you know, emergency legislation to get it done so that it, it will all work from a practical perspective. Um, and, you know, I would say we should have been perhaps putting those things with a sort of sunset clause in place a year ago, but we haven't. We are where we are. Uh, but it's perfectly possible to do. And, you know, most businesses are getting on and businesses are very good at what they do. They plan and they adapt. And if they've got great products to sell, they'll carry on selling them. OK. And final question. If, uh, in fact, you don't get to 48 and it doesn't ever happen and there is no vote of no confidence uh, in Theresa May, will you have resigned for, for no purpose whatsoever? Well, no, not at all. I resigned because I can't support the withdrawal agreement as it stands. I hope, you know, if in any way my doing what I consider to be the right thing, which is if you can't support the government you're in, you have to step out of it. You know, it's very basic basic rule of being in government and I can't support it as it is. I hope that, you know, if my resignation registers and there's a chance to see it change, that's great. But the Prime Minister's been very clear both yesterday and today that as far as she's concerned it's sealed. So you'd prefer to see someone like Michael Gove in charge? Uh well, I'd like to see the person who's going to deliver uh, a real Brexit that ensures that we leave and we're a sovereign state and we can trade as we choose to in the future. All those businesses as yet created, you know, the jobs, the opportunities to sell our, our goods around the world um, in a way that we're limited by being in the EU at the moment. OK. Well, good luck with it. Anne-Marie, thank you very much indeed. Anne-Marie Trevelyan, MP uh, for Berwick-upon-Tweed, talking to us uh, down here at College Green. Westminster still awash with rumour about what might happen, what could happen, what might not happen. But luckily, the rain has stopped for the moment. This is Talk Radio. We've got loads more coming up. I'm Mike Graham. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio, via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. 